Officially, the very first episode of 2017 is a bonus episode with Sarah Perry teaching us how to reach out to those in our community with special needs kids to try to build the love, build the bonds, and build bridges around us so we can have a better community. What a great lady. Rebel Parenting is here for you. If you've got questions, you can email me, help at rebelparenting.org. If you've got guests you think would be good for the program, if you have topics you want us to discuss on the broadcast, help at rebelparenting.org. Also, as always, if you need a counselor, if you need some help, on the right-hand side of the webpage is a link for you to get a counselor. And if you want to help the ministry out, we would always appreciate it. It's always tax-deductible. Click the donate link on our website. Once again, rebelparenting.org. Enough of me. Let's jump right back in to Sarah Perry. So there's a point in your book that I was reading, and it says you want your children ultimately to function on their own. And you're talking about, you know, snowplow parents and helicopter parents and all of that. And there's a line you said, my, the parents of the 70s and 80s didn't attend every track practice. My folks dropped me off at track practice track practice and picked me up when it was over. Do you know why? Because their identity wasn't wrapped up in their children. They didn't feel compelled to dog us through every stage of life. They were content to let us do things by ourselves because that's the point of raising kids anyway. Also, watching track practice is deathly boring. So is watching soccer soccer practice, football practice, or lacrosse practice. <laughs> okay, I'm... I'm, I'm on two sides of a coin with you there, 100%. I want my kids to function on their own. My mom, one of the greatest things she did for me when I was little was to teach me how to be an adult. She taught me to cook, clean, do laundry, iron clothes, vacuum, make beds, all those things that you needed to do to be an adult. We're trying to do that with our kids and... My goodness, Sarah, we're in a different world these days. You know, when Lincoln was in a sports program at church, I would watch... The practices because I didn't know the coaches. I didn't know the people right. that were around my kid. I was literally the only parent that watched his kid. And I thought, am I overprotective? Do I just know more than people because I've heard the worst of the worst of the worst of stories? I mean, how do I, I know that I, I lean towards overprotection. I know I do. How do I walk that tightrope of protecting my kids from predators and teaching them to live on their own and, you know, not be afraid of the world. You know, I think so much of this is dependent on the circumstance. You know, a lot of this for me, now that my kids are a little bit older, Matt coaches both of the boys in football. So for example, I know I am not going to sit around and watch two hours of football practice on a grass field when it's 100 degrees at the end of August. I'm just not going to do it. I love you. I'll be there at your game underneath an umbrella, you know, sipping a nice cool drink, but I will definitely not be sitting there for every practice. And, you know, I, I had this very interesting conversation with Jesse because Jesse said to me, and he's my youngest, um, he said, Mom, are you going to come to you're going to come to practice tonight? I said, actually, no, Grace and I are going to stay home. And this actually worked out really well because Grace is my daughter right in the middle of two boys. And she also feels very left out sometimes. She's got two brothers who have their own unique needs and she's right in the middle and she's neurotypical. I said, no, I'm going to stay with your sister and we're going to help get the house ready for tomorrow. And we're going to do the dishes, make sure the dogs are fed. She and I will get her homework done. So it gave me some special, unique time with her. But I had to get over the, all right, I have to recognize that there are going to be some things for which I can't be there 
for all the kids at every moment. You know, that's the nature of multiple kids. You can't clone yourself. Yeah. And I dealt with a lot of mommy guilt early on. In fact, I, I have to tell you, I think there was a lot of overparenting that happened. You know, it was first with Noah, and you guys understand what this is like. It's sort of the law of diminishing returns. You know, yeah. first one, it's, all right, we go to Gymboree, and then we have mommy and me <laughs> class, and then it's finger painting, and then yeah. we audition for like a special music class, and it's really hard to get into. And then Grace, it was like, okay, we'll take you to tumbling, and then we'll have like music class one day a week. And Jesse, it was like, dude, let's watch some baby Einstein and take yeah. a nap. Yeah. You know, yeah. in the same SCT. bed, by the way, because I'm exhausted. You, you know, go from so, five second rule to is anybody looking? No, okay, yes. eat that. Yeah, it's yes. fine. Go ahead. That's exactly it. And let me tell you about difference in baby book sizes. I mean, yeah. you could look at my son Noah's baby book, and it's like the Encyclopedia Britannica. And Jesse's lucky if he gets a pamphlet. Yeah. I, I mean, he he says cute things every day, and I started a couple years ago writing them down. Well. You know what? I can't remember the last cute thing he said. I know there was one last night, but because I didn't write it down, I couldn't tell you what it was. I was too busy being in the moment. But that's part of the cool compensation that I talked about is all of these surprising, momentary, quiet little miracles. And they sometimes show up in the most expected ways. And I've had these moments with grace when I've had to make a decision between sitting out in 100-degree heat at football practice for Jesse and Noah or staying home with my daughter, who loves for me to brush and braid her hair, and we've had wonderful conversations. But there is a point at which you say, all right, listen, you have to put in the heavy lifting of something like soccer or lacrosse or football or homework. And not standing over you every moment is going to help you develop into the person that God wants you to be. And that's very hard for me because Mm -hmm. as a control person, I am very hands-on. Now, my husband, I I would be very close to helicopter, but I think the Lord's given me the perfect spouse because he's really sort of like throttled back on some of this. And he's the oldest of three boys who grew up in Virginia farm country. So it was, you know, go outside and come back when it's dark. So it was, you know, four-wheelers and ATVs and like running through the mud and chasing the dogs with sticks, you know. Probably all very Huck Finn as he looks back in his life, but also probably very dangerous. I'm surprised nobody lost a finger. But, you know, you have to get to a point where you say, all right, Lord, a lot of this parenting stuff is like jumping out of an airplane without a parachute and just trusting God to say, I got you. There's a net at the bottom. When these kids leave the house at 18 or 21, whenever I call them away, I am going to continue watching them because I am watching them now. And all of the wisdom and time and energy and effort and all the hard choices and the this moment you will have to do it on your own as opposed to this moment I will help you because I see you struggling. None of that is wasted. He puts all of those pieces in place and from the outset we commit them to him but they don't really belong to us. And part of this hard part of parenting as you guys know is the stepping back. It's the letting go because it's in our nature as fallen people to say, I want to do it, yeah. right? We're, we're childlike in our own way. Well, let me take care of him. I got this, God. You don't worry about it. I'm going to be right on top of him. But at some point, the Lord says, 
you can't always be right on top of them. So it's a fine line. I think we have to be very mindful of the circumstances in which our children are being raised. And I think we sort of ask the the Lord for wisdom on, okay, Lord, I've done my due diligence. You know, I've been to these practices. I recognize that this is now a safe environment. I think today is the day. That's exactly it. Today is the day where, you know what, he's got to take the coach's advice. He can't look to me on the sidelines going, all right, buddy, get up and go back in and do it again. He's got to get the talking to from the coach, and that's sometimes hard. Yeah, we. I, I love that distinction, just letting the kids go through their own struggles to develop their own character in the midst of their life at, at age-appropriate stages, I'm sure, you know. But Absolutely. I know we haven't touched on it completely, but I do have some um pretty close friends and their children have been diagnosed with autism and different special needs. How can, how can we, how can I support those moms and those dads? How can I support those families? What, what would you need or what have you needed that you didn't even know you needed as you've walked this out with your children? I am, first of all, let me tell you how much I appreciate that as a parent who has been walking this path. And it's very, it's very timely. We just came through every three years, we get another neuropsych evaluation on the boys. And, um, you know, my son's, my youngest son, Jesse's ADHD is really presenting a problem in the classroom. Mm -hmm. He's got that in addition to high functioning autism, in addition to OCD and very high anxiety. So we have kind of a, you know, a panoply of very unique diagnoses. So it's okay. not just the one flavor. Yeah. A lot of these things go hand in hand with other related diagnoses. And I think, first of all, knowing that there's nothing to be afraid of. I think parents oh, yeah. um, really appreciate when other moms and dads say, let me spend time with you. Let me come to your house. Mm-hmm. Let me see what it's like. Let me observe it. And then they can see, all right, listen, this is a higher investment situation, but I understand it more because we we hear about it theoretically, yeah. but we don't experience it. You know, we know what the CDC tells us about yeah. the stats and totally. it's now up to one in 44. So we're going to have to get to the point as a society where we're going, man, this is a population we really need to support because this is, right. this is a pandemic at this point. Yeah. So... I think spending time and going, let me just watch and see how I can learn about it more. Let me observe it. Let me see what some of your struggles are. And then let me tell you, time for parents who are struggling with special needs kids is a golden resource. You know, you you can you can steal from my wallet, but do not Definitely. waste my time. Okay. So if you can yeah. provide me with an hour to go get grocery shopping done by myself or go to meet a girlfriend for lunch or even to take a nap, which I am so fond of doing because the opportunity rarely presents itself. It is a, it's such a huge blessing. And really that little sacrifice of time goes a long way because we're in particular need of recharging our batteries. So I would say time spent in both formats, giving them time and spending time with those parents is really, that would be a huge benefit to those of us in the church who are struggling with these issues. I interviewed uh, Emily Coulson a number of years ago, her son, Max. Oh yes, love Emily. Totally, she didn't leave her home for over a year at one point. She didn't get to leave her house for a year 
because she has a low-functioning son who is high on the autism spectrum. Her husband had left her, and she didn't have the ability to leave her house. That, man, for me, that just breaks my heart. It's tragic because you're so lonely. You're so lost. You're so tired. Nobody else can be the parent but you. And this is what your life is. And I'm sure it feels helpless and hopeless at times. Yes, yes. And you know what? We are people who I look at and I say, oh, my goodness, I deal almost with, it's funny, I don't want to use the term survivor guilt, but by analogy, I've got kids who, you know, even though it's OCD and ADHD and um, Asperger's, we, in comparison to some of my friends who have lower functioning children, I go, oh, man, what am I complaining about? You know, the Lord really has is this perfect sort of tachometer for all right, I'm going to give you what I know you can take, all right, and then I'm going to put support systems around you. Mm-hmm. And I look at other people and I think, okay, their path is unique, but that's because the Lord has a particular design for them. This goes back to the Lord not wasting any en- anything that he brings into our lives, yeah. time, experience, energy, education, diagnoses even. All of this for us is going to be used for his glory and his purpose. And I love the Bible's reference to us being these earthen vessels. We are cracked jars, right? We're, mm-hmm. we're so fragile, and we, we have so little capacity outside of him that it's great to know, okay, this is my journey. It's okay if somebody has it visibly different than mine, possibly harder than mine, but I have other struggles that maybe people don't know about. This is the journey he's called me to. And we talked in the past about competition, that's keeping your eyes on the prize. I don't want to look at someone else's life and go, well, yours is so much better. You know, I really wish mine were perfect like yours or somebody else's and go, gosh, you know, yours is really hard. I'm glad I don't have yours. This journey, this path that the Lord's put us on is, it is down to every ingredient, the precise concoction of what he wants in our lives. He doesn't make mistakes. Everything is for his purpose and for his glory. So I really get up every day and I go, okay, these kids, the ones you've entrusted to me are the perfect kids for my life. Mm. I, and I look at them, I've got to tell you, they are such amazing kids. <laughs> the things that they say, these kids on the spectrum, the, the ones who are verbal and who can communicate have such an amazingly clear-eyed view of the world. And there's a simplicity to the way they view things that is really nothing short of miraculous. So I encourage people who don't get a chance to spend time with those on the spectrum to really seek out families who have kids with this disability because it is, it's a wonder. It's a real joy. They are gifted in miraculous ways, even if it's just in the way that they see the world. Last night we were praying. My little Jesse started to cry in his prayer because he said his girlfriend, his little friend, Angelina at school had parents who were getting a divorce and his compassion and his empathy was so great that he burst into tears and he said, please, mommy, will you please pray for Angelina? Her heart is hurting. And I thought, what an amazingly empathetic kid. And it's, you know, a lot of times we get this vision of kids on the spectrum who are sort of standoffish and they're impersonal and really what you're seeing is an inability to socially connect because that's an executive functioning disability that's that frontal lobe of the brain going all right we can't figure out how to make a relationship 
but their hearts are still so good. They really are great kids. That's amazing. I thank you. That's just seems really easy to sitting here listening, being like, oh, I can do that. I can go stand with my friend. I can give her a break. I can take her children off her hand for a couple hours. I just thank you for that. And I love the distinction of, you know, life is happening for you, not to yeah. you. And just I, That's I, exactly I, it. your perspective has been extremely resourceful. Just me sitting here listening. I'm like, awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, good. Good. I'm glad. Um, I've got two more. One with Gracie not having special needs. Um, does she ever feel like maybe she's left out because the two boys get a lot of extra attention? And if so, or if you have seen that happen in families, how do you let your other children feel equally as special when they don't get as much attention? Uh, it's funny because just about a week ago, my daughter yelled, I wish I had autism. And she does that because yeah. she knows exactly how to push buttons and pull levers. And she knows that that's something that we are conscious of because I have made a point. She's a very bright 10 year old. I've made a point of telling her, listen, I understand how hard it is. And she's told her girlfriends at school, it's so hard. Now she's also going to take this with a grain of salt. She's highly melodramatic, which, yeah. you know, I'm sure she gets <laughs> from her father and not from her mother. <laughs> not <you>. So <laughs> she, she is a, a very, very bright kid, but she loves to talk about it. So I'm blessed in that the minute she feels a blip, she'll come to me and say, mom, I can't take it. I can't take the boys anymore. And it's, it is a challenge because Noah is, he's the kind of kid for whom he loves to hear loud noises. He's what we would call sensory seeking or hyposensitive. So he likes loud noises. He likes bright lights. Um, he likes fast motion. He used to flap and rock repetitively because he was looking for that stimulation in his extremities. Well, he used to rub Grace's head compulsively because it would make her scream. He would repeat words to her in her ear, pizza, 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 over and over again. So she would scream. And I said to him one day, Noah, why are you making your sister say that word? Because it makes her scream and that makes my brain feel all fluttery. And he loved it. Well, to this day at almost 13, he still does it. He will poke and poke and poke and prod and poke and prod. And the key for me is to take that mother wisdom, all of that parenting intuition, you know, it's not a sixth sense. It is that Holy Spirit leading because if he gives us the kids, he yeah. gives us the wisdom to know how to parent the kids. Even when we second guess ourselves, it's that mother's radar going, all right, your daughter's got to be removed from the situation. Yeah. So I make a particular choice to be deliberate with each of my kids. And you also have to find out where those sort of love connections are. How do I reach Jesse? What matters to him? It's always snuggling. It's time spent. Loves to sit with me on the couch so we can watch pro wrestling, which I would rather stick a red hot poker in my yeah, eye. Totally. But he loves it. Loves pro wrestling. So yeah. I'll watch pro wrestling with him. For Noah, it's long, long, deep conversations about stars and Star Wars characters and geology and history and science. And I will sit there. 
And that's it. I mean, just that's his love language, right? So it's words of affirmation. It's it's communication for grace. It's that tactile after affirmation. So she and I will sit together and I will brush her hair and I will braid her hair and I will I will always get her out of the situation because sometimes it just takes that separation to say, listen, I know it's right there in your face. Let's remove you from the situation and let me just speak your worth into your life. Let me remove you and just be with you without any distraction. Being deliberate with kids, even if it's just 10 minutes, boy, that pays off in spades. That has always been the case for us. Oh, I love it so much. You've got, so, I, again, I could talk to you all day long about this. <laughs> it's interesting, in your book, you answer a question I like to ask people. And so you don't have to do the whole thing because it's very long and I, I love how long it is because it, it, it speaks to me. You wrote a letter to your 25 year old self that you wished you could have read then. Give us some of the advice now as a lawyer, a mom, a mom of special needs kids, a mom of neurotypical kids, a wife. What is some of that advice? What is some of those things that you would tell yourself at 25 that you wish you had known? Yes, my my 25 year old self with all the free time and the flat stomach, and uh, all the expendable income. Yes, Yes. that that 25 year old self is but a distant memory. But there are a lot of things. There are a lot of things I wanted to communicate, and so I have a a list of 20 at the back of my book. But I like to pick three that that are my my favorites for special needs parents in particular. Let me tell you, something is going to happen at some point on some day when you are least expecting it that is going to embarrass the heck out of you. And I have stories in both of these books. And let me tell you, you have got to make peace with being embarrassed. You know, chagrin is my middle name because I have been in that situation more times than I can count. Let me tell you, growing a steel spine and learning how to stick your chin in the air for the sake of your kids is the most important thing you can do. That first lesson in parenting is death to self. The minute you have that baby and they greet you in that waiting room or in that adoption agency, your life for only you is over. You now have someone else to think about. So that public embarrassment that, oh my gosh, how will this look? You use the wisdom God's given you. You use what you know is right. You stick your chin in the air and you say to yourself, it's okay. This will be over soon because (laughs) all of the hard stuff, all of the embarrassing stuff will pass. I have been in lines during Super Bowl Sunday, just trying to get some deli meat when my son has thrown a public tantrum and thrown himself on the floor. And I have calmly continued to wait for my order. And I have taken the order and him by my hand. And I have just taken them both to the checkout line, screaming all the way through and gone out to the car. Because there just comes a point where you think, all right, Lord. I know you're up there. I know you see it. I know you, you. there is nothing new under the sun. And there were kids who had autism 100 years ago. There will be kids who have autism. If we don't find a cure 100 years from now, mm-hmm. you know this. You know these kids. You know my life. Just give me the strength for this moment. Mm-hmm. So I would say steel spines and wisdom from knowledge, wisdom from God, that beautiful knowledge that he gives us as parents. I would say another big one is fight the urge to rush. You know, we get to that point as parents where we think, all right, I got to hurry up. I got to get him out the door to school. Yeah. I got to get him, get him out the door to practice. Mm-hmm. I have to get him to a play date. I have to make it to church on time. There will be a point in your life where you are rushing to keep up with them. Yeah. 
it is a stage for me now where they are still a little bit rushing to catch up with me, and I can see the tide beginning to change as I am now entering these teenage years with these kids who are almost all double digits, and I think, my goodness, they tell you it's going to be fast, but you don't know fast until you actually experience fast. Mm -hmm. So I think that's another one, is really fighting that urge to rush through it because it happens so quickly. And I think the last is being kind to yourself. We are not perfect, and there is no point in our lives at which our imperfection is more evident than in parenting. You will say things you will regret. Your house will look away you will regret. That car you think will always be neat will have crushed Cheez-Its in every crevice, and you will regret that. You will forget homework. You will forget teacher gifts during Christmas time. You will forget thank you notes, and you will think to yourself, I totally stink at this job. But guess what? You don't. Mm. Your number one job is loving them, and that comes automatically. God gives you this awesome, superficial, sacrificial immediate love for these people and it is like nothing you've ever experienced so if you keep your eye on the prize of how much you love them all of those mistakes pale in comparison to the fact that that is just a glimmer of how much god loves us Mm. preach it mama Oh, it's fantastic. Sarah, thanks for coming on today, for being vulnerable, for giving us great information, and for helping us be better parents, better spouses, and better friends to those in our community. Oh, you guys are so welcome. Loved being with you. God bless you guys. Thank you. you. Hope you enjoyed today's program with Sarah Perry, New York Times bestselling author of Mommy Needs a Raise Because Quitting's Not an Option. What a great guest. I hope you enjoyed her as much as we did. And I hope this builds the community in your area that we can reach out to those around us in need and show a little love, uh, build a little community. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for telling your friends. Uh, If you have a minute, please uh, review and rate us on iTunes. It helps us out, spreads the word, lets our ministry grow. If you know some people that are in need, point them to the direction of the program. Have them email us if they need to. If they need a counselor, have them go to the website, rebelparenting.org. Click that link for a counselor. We are believers in it. If you get oil changes in your vehicle, you ought to get counseling in your marriage. God bless you all. Thanks so much, and we will see you next week.